0: Male and female, he created them and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. Guys, that is Genesis 5 2. That will obviously play into what we're going to be talking about today. But, guys, if you have not left us a five star review and a positive rating wherever you are, please go and do that. And Spotify, you can just go into the show. You can hit five stars in Apple Podcasts. You can do it just about everywhere. Please make sure you do that. Also, we are always accepting donations from new guys that want to support what we are doing here. Again, we do have ads. You guys have emailed me about that before, but the majority of our support comes from donors, comes directly from you guys. So if you like the content that we put out with Undaunted Life of Man's podcast, just go to www.undaunted.life backslash donate and hop on board, be a part of the team. And I did want to address this before we get into the stuff that we're going to be talking about today. But yes, I was in Washington, D.C. this week. So some of you guys saw that on social media. But no, I was not there because of the potential drop of the SCOTUS decision. So. I was there as a guest of Tim Kennedy, who was a guest on the show last week, but he was doing a kind of a book release gala party at the Library of Congress, and his team over there, uh, that's kind of handling the the publishing and the publicist side of the book release, Sarah Verardo, Verardo Strategies, Sean Lee, and uh, uh, Danica Thomas, and you know Sarah's sister, Witt, and all those people, a great, amazing team over there. They had me as a guest out there in D.C. to be there for that event. Uh, we got to watch, uh, I was part of a little VIP watch party for a documentary that they're going to be having coming out maybe later this year or something like that. It's not even quite done yet, but it was just kind of a cool thing to be there with a lot of great people. I met, um, you know, his, his co-writer and all this, Nick Palmashano and his wife, Susie. And I got to, you know, have dinner with Tim and his family the night before, which was amazing or with Tim's family, rather he wasn't there. So with Tim's family. So I got to sit there with his dad, talk about hunting, talk about a bunch of different things. And then, you know, while I was there, I got to hang out with a buddy from high school. Like it, it was just kind of a cool trip, but On Monday morning, right, so that would be Monday of this week, we were going to be doing a ruck through Washington, D.C., so get a workout in before, you know, we do the, you know, suit and tie, black tie thing that night, Um, and as I was walking to where we were meeting up at, it was the, I think it was the National Guard Museum or something like that, I walked by the U.S. Capitol, because it's like, you know, I'd never seen the Capitol before, I'd never been to D.C., so I walked by it, and then as I'm walking around to get where I need to go, I see the Supreme Court. And then I see a bunch of media and a bunch of protesters. So I talked to one of the media members. I was like, hey, what's, what's exactly going on? And they're like, hey, the Dobbs case is going to be announced this morning. That was essentially the buzz that was in the air is that literally like 15 minutes from the time I talked to that media guy, they were expecting the Dobbs case that could potentially overturn Roe v. Wade to go down. And so I went down there. And here's the interesting thing. Once I went down there, there were pro-life protesters right next to pro-abortion protesters. The pro-abortion protesters have their megaphones. So do the pro-life people. But the pro-abortion protesters were, you know, screaming and doing all their different things and all that, and they were doing it unimpeded. Like, I literally could have walked up to them and went, boop, right on their nose. Like, there was nothing that that would have stopped me from doing that. And yet, there was Capitol Police that was surrounding the pro-life protesters, right? The people that were out there peacefully protesting. I could not have walked up to them, right? Because they were surrounded by police. I had their bikes kind of set up, which doesn't that tell you a lot about both sides of this issue? The pro-abortion people can scream and holler and say these horribly evil things and do it unimpeded, but if pro-life people get out there and basically say, "Yeah, we probably shouldn't allow people to murder their babies," then they have to be protected by police because they're not safe. So, and as everybody knew, like the the decision didn't come down, so it was a lot of build up for nothing. But that was interesting. But yes, had a really really good trip out there. Uh, Tim and I will be doing some more stuff later on this summer. Like I told you, we're going to be doing another interview, uh, doing some training with him and stuff like that down in Texas. So a lot of great time, but. Again, uh, just shout out to Sarah Verardo and her team over there. It was an amazing time. You know, I got to spend time with Chad Robichaux. got to meet him in person for the first time. Uh, got to spend some time with a lot of uh, Tim's SF b- uh, buddies and but all the people that he's gone st- through uh, all this military training with. And then, you know, some of his friends that he trains with down in Austin. I got to spend time, a little bit of time with the senator from North Carolina, Senator Tillis, who kind of helped coordinate some of the stuff that was going on whenever we were trying to get people out of Afghanistan. But there, I'll go ahead and put a bow on it. It was a really, really good time, but I know a lot of people were wondering, you know, kind of why I was standing next to Tim Kennedy and why we were uh, both in tuxedos. So that's basically how that goes. Now, guys, I'm looking at the time this morning and I got a bunch of stuff I got to get going today. So I'm going to announce what we're doing for the quick hitters segment, but I may not actually be able to do it. So I'm going to announce what we're going to be doing. But what might end up happening is I'll have to record this as a separate episode, maybe later. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. I might be able to, uh, you know, get all this in, but this is what we will be going over in the quick hitters, either in this episode or the next one. We're going to be going over the attempted assassination of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh by a left-wing pro-abortion anti-gun Democrat. Also, the major report detailing massive sexual abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention. The drag show at a gay bar in Texas here a couple weeks back where parents subjected their children to child abuse. Major League Baseball players standing up to the LGBTQ plus revolution because of their Christian faith. And then Fox News joining the LGBTQ plus revolution. So we'll see if we can get to all that. But today, we're going to be doing a review of the smash hit documentary from Matt Walsh over at the Daily Wire called What is a Woman? This has been talked about all over the place. If you're anywhere in the conservative uh, media sphere or blogosphere or Twitter sphere or whatever, everybody's talking about this. If you're on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, there's clips of this all over the place. I'm sure by now most of you have seen it because The Daily Wire has gained tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of subscribers to what they're doing so that people can go and watch this documentary. So this documentary was hilariously and perfectly released on the first day of Pride Month, you know, a couple of weeks back. And it's been a, a, a just an absolute smash for them. So the Daily Wire actually reported that on the day the documentary released that they got more new subscribers in that one day than at any other point in the company's history. So with any of the stuff released by Candace Owens or you know, Ben Shapiro or any of the movies they've done, they've gotten more traffic because of that. And the, the documentary is, is available just for Daily Wire members, which has made some people mad like, hey, why if it's so important, why not put it out there for free? But everybody makes content and that content costs money. And if it's a value, you should pay for it. Again, I talk about it with people that are mad about us having advertisements or, or, you know, asking for donations or something like that. It's like, dude, like we don't do this for free. We can't operate and do this for free. Like nobody would expect you to do your job for free. So why do you expect that of other people? And so guys, if you, there are entities out there like undaunted life, like the daily wire, like blaze media, like all these different entities support these people with your, with your dollars. For a lot of people, you know, it's like nine bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, and you can get all this amazing, great content. And it's just funny to me how you don't even scoff at Amazon Prime or, you know, Netflix or any of these other places. And these are companies that hate you and your point of view. And yet you scoff when conservatives ask for money. But I'll get off my high horse there. But the 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 clips of the documentary, again, are all over social media. A lot of you guys have seen it. If you've not seen it in its entirety, you need to go become a member of The Daily Wire and check that out. So what the documentary is about, for those of you that aren't aware of it, is it all started on Twitter a few years back because, you know, Matt Walsh would talk on a show about transgenderism and kind of the history of it and all that. And then it occurred to him one day to just ask this person that he was arguing with the simple question, which is, what is a woman? Because it's like, you know, you see all these circular definitions of what a woman is. A woman is anyone that identifies as a woman or is whatever this. And the thing was, is he realized pretty quickly that people couldn't answer the question cogently, Right. You know, as if they could answer the question like, what is a cup? What is a phone? What is a dog? They can answer that straightforward, but they couldn't answer what is a woman. And so that led to him. Basically, for over a year, preparing to make this documentary and release it. And it couldn't be coming out at a better time because we see all this convergence, you know, in Pride Month, all this uh, unbelievable social contagion of what's happening in the LGBTQIA, whatever plus lobby, especially when it comes to the trans side of things. And so they made this documentary. It's coinciding with the release of the book. I'm not reviewing the book, I'm just, you know, reviewing the documentary for today. So, as you would imagine, and we'll get into the specifics of the documentary here in a second, the critical reception was. Just astounding, right? Because again, like I said, a lot of people on the conservative side of things, the the Christian side of things, you know, the sensible side of things, they love this. But then when you go to Rotten Tomatoes, What's interesting is typically what's interesting about the Rotten Tomatoes scores is when the scores from the critics is incredibly incredibly low and the score from the audience is incredibly incredibly high. Typically that's when it's a you know a movie that's like a just a crowd pleaser but the critics are like oh I don't want to like this or you see it in the opposite way where it's a super woke movie that's like 98% from the critics and like 14% from the people. But the interesting thing about this is that there are basically no reviews from critics on Rotten Tomatoes. The reviews are only from people that have actually seen the film that are fans. And so I think as of the last time I looked, there was one review and it was somebody that actually works with the daily wire. It's their entertainment, one of their entertainment reporters or something like that. And so the, the scores, it's basically not even, you know, registering, even though I think as of right now, it is still the most viewed at home streaming documentary in the country. Okay. But the reason is, is because a lot of critics are refusing to review it. Right. And the reason is, is because you can't review something in all honesty, if you've never seen it. So I think there was a a reviewer, an entertainment reviewer from Rolling Stone that actually published a review of this that didn't actually watch the film. And they have the receipts over there at at the Daily Wire because they basically have a screenshot of the copy of the review they sent specifically to this reviewer. And the screenshot is of the percent of the documentary that this person watched, which just so happened to be zero percent. So the person writes a review of how this is the most transphobic, awful documentary ever recorded and yet had watched 0% of it. And the reason why these people aren't watching it, and even if they have watched it, why they're not reviewing it, is because it's a destruction of their worldview. And they are absolutely unwilling to engage with something that attacks their worldview directly. This is something you see about a lot of people from the left. You know, I talk about this all the time. I was supposed to uh, go against uh, on the debate show over in the UK, unbelievable against Kristen Cobez Dume, I think is how she pronounces her name about the book called Jesus and John Wayne. And at the last minute, she refuses to debate me, but does an interview with the host instead, right? Because she knew the host was going to be nice and polite and she didn't want to have her, her stuff challenged. And so that's the thing is these people want to just stay in their cocoon and never be challenged. So I'm going to go through a bunch of thoughts on the film. I'm going to start with some of the basic kind of 30,000 foot view stuff, and then we'll get into public perception and get into a little bit more of kind of the nitty gritty. So in terms of my basic thoughts on what is a woman, it's absolute top-notch quality, okay? Which you can't say that about everything that is produced by conservatives and, and, you know, people that are on that side of things. But I will say, especially here recently with the Daily Wire, with the Blaze, with PragerU, with, you know, TPUSA, they're creating some very, very high quality content, right? So this is quality that you would expect to see in a, you know, it's not a major motion picture because it's a documentary, but any documentary that you would assume would be high quality, like on Netflix or Amazon prime or anything that you used to, you know, rent at blockbuster back in the day. So it's absolutely top notch. And here's the other thing about it is the documentary itself is when it's not like scary and sickening. And we'll get into some of those parts here in a second. It's actually legitimately funny. Okay. Because Matt Walsh just really deadpans throughout the entire thing. And to combine it with my next thought is Matt Walsh might be the only person In conservative media, in conservatism that could pull this off. Because I'm not sure I've ever seen Matt Walsh smile. Like I followed his blog for a while, I followed his show for a while. I'm not sure the guy has smiled, like ever in his entire life. If you have photographic, you know, evidence of such, you should let me know because I'm sure I've never seen the guy's teeth for any reason. But the thing about it is he's so sarcastic that when he's asking questions to these people and he's going super poker face with it, it's super hilarious. And so he's asking these people very, very basic questions, and he's just basically letting them hang themselves with their own rope. He's letting them tie the slipknot for themselves. But Matt Walsh did an absolutely incredible job with this. Also, in terms of just generic thoughts, the documentary starts by tackling the question, is there truth? What is truth? So so the entire crux of the film is, what is a woman? But you can't answer that question if you can't answer what truth is, okay? Because we live in this postmodern era of, my truth, major air quotes on that. My truth. Like, what is, what is your truth? And he's talking about the truth. And he gets into that with some of the people that he interviews in the film. But we live in this milieu of postmodernism where we're not supposed to look at truth as if there is capital T truth. So I think that was a very important place for him to start the documentary. You know, basically, is there truth? Can we know? Another thought is that Matt Walsh, he really does an amazing job at something that I learned from my sales background because I've done a lot of sales in my career. Just let people talk. If you ask a question, don't bail the person out by interrupting them or giving them the answer. Let them talk. And so if you're in a sales situation, depending upon the questions you ask, if it is a fit, you know, the product and the person or the service and the person, they will eventually sell themselves. You just have to let them talk. Now that doesn't work 100% of the time obviously, but that's just good generalized advice. And I thought that was fantastic to see Matt Walsh throughout the film. He would ask somebody, you know, a simple question, maybe a pointed question, maybe a little bit more difficult question, and he wouldn't bail them out even whenever there was silence. He would just let them talk. So that's a good thing for a lot of you guys is if you're debating someone that's across from you or just having, you know, maybe a heated discussion or a, a cordial discussion about a heated topic or something like that, make sure when you ask your question that you get an answer. And then if you get part of an answer say tell me more about that. Just let them keep talking because again, this worldview that's on the opposite side of what Matt Walsh, me and a lot of people that are on our side believe their worldview is nonsense. It is based and grounded in nothing. And you have to let them, re- well, they're never going to realize that they're not going to change the things that they're doing. But when you have a third party audience listening to this interaction, it's best to just let them do the talking. And the last kind of generic thought is, He actually sent the people that he interviewed the questions beforehand, okay? And all the people still agreed to do the interview. So he was interviewing people that do these, you know, so-called gender reassignment surgeries. He was, you know, sending it to people that were, you know, non-binary counselors. He was sending it to people that are professors in gender theory and, you know, all this other stuff, like people that are proponents of this worldview. He sent them all the questions beforehand and they still agreed to do the interview, which is very, very interesting because it was only when Walsh would ask the simple follow-up questions that things would go off the rails. So when you look at the basic questions, right, these people are thinking they're going to hit a home run. They're like, oh, he's asking, you know, what is a woman? Like, how does a man become a woman? Hey, this is what I'm kind of like. Am I actually a woman? And these people were all good with it. And then we would ask simple follow-ups to go a little bit deeper into a subject. That's when people got real defensive. That's when people got really, really mad. That's when they really, really started charging up the rhetoric. Okay. Now let's talk about the, the public perception a little bit, and then we'll get more into some of my detailed thoughts. So the right obviously loves it. As I talked about from the beginning, conservatives have been sharing this all around the left people on the left, even though they haven't watched it, they hate it, which is just hilarious. Now there, there was an interesting thing that happened the night of the release of the film. So they released it like, you know, 7 PM central time or Eastern time or whatever on a particular night on, you know, June 1st, there was an attack on the daily wires website the night it was released. Okay. Uh, There was, I don't really understand the technology, but essentially it was sending a bunch of bot signals to basically affect people that were wanting to stream it live. Now, it didn't affect things as it went forward, but there was clearly a coordinated attack on the release of this film. And we can assume it wasn't coming from, you know, a rival conservative outlet because they want this content to be out there. They've been incredibly complimentary of this content. It just shows that people on that side of things are willing to, you know, play dirty in order to get people not to be able to see this, which is something that we should pay attention to as we move forward. Also. Matt Walsh has actually received credible death threats because of this. So this is something that he's talked about on a show. This is something that he's basically expressed as like, hey, we knew this was coming. We knew this was going to happen. This wasn't really a surprise to us. But it does kind of shed light on, you know, the people that are, you know, constantly online talking about how they're receiving credible death threats. They never show the receipts where Matt Walsh will take screenshots of these death threats, put them up online and tag Twitter and be like, hey, are you going to do something about this? People are threatening to kill me and my family. Can we do something about that? But again, it just goes back to these people that are on these extreme leftist positions on whatever the topic is, you know, their willingness to be incredibly violent to the point of potentially killing people. You know, we saw that with the person that was trying to kill Justice Brett Kavanaugh a couple of weeks ago. Also... People are trying to get Matt Walsh kicked off of social media because of this, right? So every day there are hundreds, if not thousands of people that are, you know, uh, flagging his account and reporting it and doing those different things. But as of now, it seems like, you know, I'm recording this on the 15th, you know, so it's been a couple of weeks since the release of this. He's still on social media, but that was another thing he talked about in the run-up to the release of this film is that he was going to release it regardless. He was going to release it no matter what. Um, and he assumed that he was going to be getting kicked off of social media. He he wasn't hoping for that, but he assumed that that was happening and you know, he was just going to call it good. Yeah, it is what it is. So now let's get into some detailed thoughts about the documentary. What is a woman? So with his question, what is a woman? The responses kind of ended up being in three different categories. OK, the first is that the people were genuinely stumped by the question. They didn't know how to answer it. They, they didn't know how to think about it. Well, here, I'll go into each here in a second. I'll, I'll give you the three categories here. So I'll back up. They're either genuinely stumped by the question. Second, they pretend to be stumped by the question. And third, they define woman by using the word woman. OK, so now let's go back. They're genuinely stumped by the question. So these people don't know why it's being asked, why it's being framed that way, why all of a sudden in an interview that type of a question is hitting them so funny. So that's the first group. The second group, they pretend to be stumped by the question. These are people that are intellectually dishonest. They know what a woman is. They know it's somebody that basically every chromosome in their body is XX. They know that. It's a person with a vagina and fallopian tubes and ovaries and a uterus and breasts. And like that, that is what a woman is, right? An adult Human, female, but they they, they pretend to not know the answer to that. And then the third category, they define woman by using the word woman. So you hear these people say, you know, he would ask, what is a woman? They're like, anyone that identifies as a woman. But you can't use the word in the definition of the word because that's what we're trying to define. That's circular reasoning, that's circular defining, like you can't use the word to define the word itself. It has to, you know, the definition has to exist outside the word. Also, another thought is, and just being completely neutral here, people that support transgenderism you know, as, as a reality, and they seem, these people just seem deeply, deeply illogical, ignorant, smug, untrustworthy, and in a lot of cases, sometimes evil. But people on the other side, like the side that I'm on, they seem logical, informed, humble, truthful, moral. And again, I I try to go into all these things, understanding I do have bias towards, you know, one side or the other, but it was shocking how unbelievably dumb the people that support this whole transgender revolution came off as. And again, like I use those words specifically illogical, ignorant, smug, untrustworthy, and evil. But the other people that were incredibly balanced were the people that are just like, no, this is nonsense. Like we're not helping people by allowing this type of ideology to get out into a wider culture. They were operating on logic, information. They were incredibly humble with their opinions, but they were standing up for truth. And truth comes from a moral basis. We get a moral law with which to differentiate between good and evil, and that moral law comes from God. Now, another thought is, I thought this was an interesting shift in the film. Again, you have to go watch it. Uh, you know, I'll put it in the show notes so you can go. It's whatisawoman.com, so you can go watch it for yourself. But about two-thirds of the way through the film, he gets serious because the first third, you know, first half or whatever, it's kind of funny. There's a lot of levity and it's just, it's kind of, you know, just whatever. Right. But then he gets serious when he starts discussing Alfred Kinsey, who is, you know, basically the godfather of this sexualization of children movement and John Money, who is the godfather of the trans movement. And so these are both deeply, deeply evil men These are men that you should know more about. Again, he talks about it in the film, but he goes into much more detail in the book about Alfred Kinsey and John Money. But this this might be, you know, as I think about it, this might be the main reason why the left is scared of this film. At least it's one of the main reasons. Because these two men basically used pseudoscience to foster this sexualization of children and this idea that a child could change their gender that especially john money there were these two uh twin boys that you know one of them had their uh, their penis was basically burned off during the um oh gosh during the circumcision right after they were born and so he got a hold of these two kids and he was going to raise the one whose circumcision did not get messed up raise him as a boy and then raise the other one as a girl and it had horrific results One of the kids ended up killing himself. The other one, you know, overdosed, which, you know, is, I guess, kind of a form of suicide. I guess the kid knew that his, you know, his time was coming up and, you know, they did this as adults. You know, John Money would put these kids in sexual positions and, you know, actually make them, you know, act out sexual acts with one another. And again, one kid was raised as a girl, even though he was a boy and he always kind of rejected that and never really felt comfortable. But that's where this whole transgender movement comes from. And Alfred Kinsey is no better. And so again, he goes into more of that detail in the film. And it's, it's, it's really terrifying. Because when you take all these different things to bedrock, because again, you know, you'll get this where people are like, oh, well, Christians are okay with this and Christians are okay with that. But if you take it back to the scriptures, if you take you know, the ideology that they're espousing back to the gospels, you have to say, okay, that person may purport to be a Christian, but that doesn't jive with what Jesus teaches in the New Testament. That doesn't jive with the moral law that is given to God. Are given from God, rather, to humanity, right? And so it's like, yeah, you know, you can say you're a Christian, but categorically you're not because when we go back to bedrock, when we go back to the source material, it's it's not the same. But when you go back to the source material of the sexualization of children and the trans movement, it goes back to some incredibly dark and evil places. And a last thought here in terms of, you know, really detailed thoughts is towards the end of the film, Walsh gets into the, the social contagion part of this whole thing, especially when it's pushed in Hollywood and social media and, and by teachers. And that's one of the biggest points here. And that's one of the biggest concerns for you guys as kids or sorry, as parents that have kids in you know public schools or places where they may be hearing these types of things is in Hollywood, we see a push of more trans content, right? Especially this pride month is the loudest, most obnoxious pride month, maybe in history. But then you see all this on social media. There are, you know, social media influencers that have millions of followers on Instagram or TikTok or, you know, subscribers on YouTube. And these are trans people that are encouraging other people to become trans. And you have teachers that are encouraging children to become trans. So a girl is kind of, you know, more boyish in the things she likes. Maybe she likes trucks and the color blue and playing baseball and, you know, getting her knees all scraped up and rough housing. And a teacher is going to take her to the side and say, you know what? You might actually be a boy. And depending on the state that she's in, they might start the transition, right? Let's transition them at school, give them a different name, you know, maybe even get them some different clothes. And then let's get them to a doctor who will not you know, basically, uh, stop, be able to stop the parents, you know, from them giving her, you know, drugs that are going to change her forever. It's not going to change her into a boy, but they're just going to change her and eradicate her ability to maybe have, you know, sexual pleasure in the future or have children or basically lead a life that isn't just fully uh, full of complications, right? But the social contagion aspect is the biggest aspect of this because the rates at which people are identifying as transgender now are astonishingly high astonishingly high because what we've always been told is, oh, there's always been a ton of trans people, but culture and society was way too mean and bigoted. So they never came out of the closet, but it's like, it's not like that was keeping, you know, tens of percents higher of people from identifying as trans. Like that doesn't, that doesn't jive. That doesn't wash. The overall idea is that a lot of kids are pretending to be trans or desperately wanting to be trans. Because if you come out as trans, you're going to have hundreds of thousands of people on social media tell you how brave and courageous you are. You're going to have tons of teachers telling you how how wonderful this is and how they're going to help you. And maybe you're kind of a wallflower kid. You know, you're not a good athlete, you're not a good student, you're just kind of you know amoebaing your way through school. And then all of a sudden you're a hero. All of a sudden when they do the little pride parade in the hallways at your school, you're one of the people at the head of the parade, and you've never been the popular kid, even though it's always what you wanted, even though you would never admit it out loud. So without going too much farther down that, the social contagion piece of this is is very, very important. It's something that we really need to, to think about, especially as parents. But now we need to get into some of the most memorable figures that were in the film What's a Woman? What is a Woman? So the first memorable figure that we see is Dr. Marcy Bowers. So she is the most prolific, I guess, gender reassignment surgeon in the United States. So I'm using these phrases and titles loosely because there's no such thing as gender reassignment, but she's one of the most prolific reassignment surgeons in the United States. And she admitted that someone, and this was crazy in the film, she actually admitted that someone that wanted to have their arm cut off, because Matt Walsh hit her with this, because they identified as a disabled person, may have a psychiatric condition. And when Matt Walsh said, well, well, wait a minute, you know, if there's a person that thinks that they should chop off their genitalia or chop off healthy breasts in order to, you know, think that they are the opposite sex. Does that person have a psychiatric condition? And the person's like, basically like, no. And this is a person that operates on minors, has done operations on minors to remove breast tissue, to do phalloplasties by removing, you know, pieces and tissue from other parts of the body to create this phallic-like thing. They basically sew a fake penis on top of the girl's vagina. And, you know, it's, it's a horrific thing. So that's Dr. Marcy Bowers. Then you have Dr. Michelle Forcier. So she's maybe the biggest villain. In this entire film. So she's a sex reassignment pediatrician and an abortionist. And she has teal hair. So that's like the worst trifecta of a person, maybe in the on the absolute planet, right? But this is the the big quote that a lot of people were making fun of, like, oh my gosh, this person is crazy. Is Matt Walsh asked her, does a or she asked Matt Walsh, like, does a chicken cry? Does a chicken commit suicide? Because he was basically talking about how we don't assign female to female chickens. We just observe biologically what they are and you know they're obviously not a male chicken so they're a female chicken and the person literally responds was does they cry Does, does a chicken cry does a chicken commit suicide it was it was flabbergasting to hear this woman talk she also said that medical affirmation begins this is a quote from the film medical affirmation begins when the patient says they're ready for it again this is a doctor this is a pediatrician this is someone who works with little children saying the medical affirmation of what someone purports to say about their gender begins when they say they're ready for it. So imagine your kid's got the flu, right? He's seven years old. You walk him into the doctor's office and the pediatrician, you know, does their testing and does all these different things. And then they look down at your kid and say, Hey, I know you feel like you had the flu. I would like to affirm that, but I'm not going to do that until you're ready for it. So I'm going to withhold treatment until you're ready. To to deal with, with what you feel inside, which is that you have the flu. Can you imagine how ridiculous that would be? Guys, think about that. But that is exactly what people that work in this field, which it's astonishing it's even a field right now, this is what they're doing and what they're saying. Also, this woman again, biggest villain of the film for me, she says that you can pause puberty. That's what she claims is that, oh, you know, if you do puberty blockers for these little boys and little girls, there are no issues and no negative consequences whatsoever. It's just something you can pause as if at the age of 13, you can pause a little girl who's developing breasts and developing, you know, all these, you know, advancements in her internal, whatever that's going on in a little girl. And then same thing with a boy, more testosterone, hair in weird places. And, you know, their penis is going wild and all those different things. You can just pause that. And then pick it up down the road if you want to. As if, if a 13 year old says, no, nah, a 13 year old boy says, I'm a girl, and you hit the pause button, that when they're 21, they're like, oh, I've kind of grown out of it. I'd like to go through puberty now as a fully grown adult, that you can just hit play again. This is what she claims. Of course, there's no basis for this, but she does claim that. And the last thing on her, you know, they, they brought up the, the chemical Lupron, right? This is something that chemical has been given to sex offenders to chemically castrate them. It is a castration drug, but they're using that. And pediatricians like her, again, her name is Dr. Michelle Forcier. They are giving Lupron to children in order to transition them. Major air quotes with that, transition them. Okay. Now, if they can give the same drug to fully developed physical adults to castrate them, Right? You know, sex offenders, pedophiles. What do you think this is doing to a child who's still in the growth phase of their life? Right? And then there are some other people. There's Dr. Patrick Agranska, I believe. She's a gender studies professor. Or, sorry, he, my bad, I misgendered the guy. This is an actual biological male that identifies as biological male, which means cisgender apparently. But he is a gender studies professor at the University of Tennessee. And he really got agitated immediately. As soon as Matt Wall started bringing up the discussion of truth and reality. So again, this is a guy and he's probably the one that talked in the most amount of circles. He is the atypical college professor. And I don't mean in a good way. This is a guy who just uses a bunch of words when, when strung together, sound really, really smart until you read them and go, oh, this is nonsense. This is a guy that's basically a walking, talking thesaurus, just throwing words together and just kind of, you know mixing them up in a bowl and then just serving them to you and then saying, yeah, see, see how smart I am. Look, I wear glasses and I, you know, cross my legs at the knee. Isn't that neat, right? This guy, again, as soon as Matt Walsh started talking about truth and all these things, he threatened to get up from the interview. Again, this is a gender studies professor, but he's not any, he's not even has an inkling of interest in trying to find the truth, right? Then you had Democrat United States representative Mark Takano from California. I have no idea. Who is on this guy's team, on his media team, but how they allowed him to sit across from Matt Walsh is astonishing. Like these people are morons that they allowed this, but this is a guy that's a big proponent of the Equality Act, which would add sexual orientation to the, the 1960s Civil Rights Act, which is absurd. But what was interesting about this uh, interaction between him and Matt Walsh, again, Matt Walsh is very deadpan, just asking questions, is you could tell at one point that the representative Mark Takano was like, oh no. I don't think this is going the way that I want because he starts cutting his eyes to his staff that's off camera or I'm assuming it's his staff and he starts kind of sort of answering questions and keeps looking over at his staff. But at one point he goes, okay, the the interview's over and he immediately stands up, starts taking off his lapel mic and all that. And there's kind of one of the famous parts of the film is where, you know, the guy gets up and walks off and Matt Walsh is like, Hey, I just, I just have one more question. Like, I just want to know what a woman is. And his staffer, Mark Takano staffer in the back goes, and you'll never find out. Right, so that was an abruptly ended interview. There was also a trip to Africa uh, where Matt Walsh spent some time with the Maasai tribe. So he was just asking them through an interpreter basic questions. And the thing was, is he was asking them basic questions about male and female and gender and roles and different things like that. And he was getting very very basic answers back. Right, which kind of should remind all of us that simple wisdom beats intellectual gymnastics every time. So go back to that University of Tennessee professor, Dr. Patrick uh, Granska or Grzanka or whatever. This guy is trying to. Weave these big webs of, of these the crazy theories that are supposed to kind of, you know, end up coalescing their way into this thing that is cogent and makes sense. And it doesn't. And, you know, as I was watching the scenes with the, the tribe in Africa and, you know, it was a really kind of funny and good part. I was reminded of this Malcolm Muggeridge quote. It's, it's an absolutely incredible quote. It's part of a much larger quote, but it's we have now educated ourselves into a state of complete imbecility. I love that quote. That quote could define, you know, the age we're living in right now. We have now educated ourselves into a state of complete imbecility. So when you listen to one of these, you know, basically gender theologians is what they pretend like they are. These individuals have just educated themselves and read so many books and written so many papers and been patted on the head for this nonsense for so long that they become an imbecile and they have no idea. And this this may not be toothpaste that they can ever get back into the tube. But then we also have Scott, you know, Kelly Nugent. Okay. So this is, you know, someone who was convinced to transition into male. This is a biological female named Kelly that was transitioned to convince to transition into male. Uh, the director of the film and Matt Walsh say that Scott Nugent is the hero of the film, that, that she is absolutely the, the center point of the film. So in this documentary, she goes into the surgeries that were performed on her to, to get her to present as male. She gets into the side effects, which are absolutely stunning and shocking. But she had kind of a couple of main points that she said through this. The first big point is that medical transition is experimental right now. And it will remain experimental because you literally, unless you can, you know, add wise to every chromosome inside of somebody, I think there's trillions of chromosomes. I don't think it's ever going to be possible, right? But it's experimental right now the surgeons that are performing this and the pediatricians that are giving these drugs they have no earthly idea what the consequences are right now of the things that they're doing even physically we're not even getting into the mental and you know societal and cultural side of things just physically they have no earthly idea what the outcomes of a lot of these things are doing so these children that are getting these procedures and getting these drugs done to them right now they are the guinea pigs they are helping them figure out how to make this easier for people in the future, even though it's not going to actually help them in the future. It's just going to be a little bit easier without more complications. But another big point that was made by Scott Nugent, by her, is that people stand to make a lot of money off transgender revolution, especially children's hospitals. Okay. Now, some of this has been disputed, but the surgeries to, quote unquote, transition these children that is done by you know four or five different hospitals here in the United States, it's about $70,000 and it's not covered by insurance. I don't think it's covered by any insurance right now. So 70 grand out of pocket to transition your child, right? But the complication rate of this, just as a sidebar, is around 67%, which is there any surgery on the planet that you would get If they told you, yeah, there's a 67% complication rate and complication makes it sound like, ah, you know, it's going to be a little bit hard to recover, different things like that. It's like, no, 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 67% chance that it could kill you, that you could get a crazy infection that's going to, you know, severely shorten your life or affect your ability to have a good life. A lot of people that have gotten some of these surgeries, you know, to, to mess with their genitalia, you know, they basically are constantly dribbling piss on themselves because, you know, their urinary tracts don't really work. They're just kind of, they're just kind of opening these people up and taking a guess at this point. But also. There's about $1.3 million in revenue that is estimated that pharma gets per trans kid. Whether it's Lupron or other drugs or something like that. $1.3 million of revenue per trans kid. So guys, you should fully expect for Pride Months to get louder on the trans stuff. That Big corporations are going to constantly come out there and say more and more positive things about transitioning children. And, you know, we'll get into this when we talk about the Fox News stuff, because Fox News kind of did something here recently where they were basically propagandizing on behalf of some of this uh, gender transition nonsense that's happening in kids. And again, the most people that sponsor Fox News are pharma companies. So you can see a direct correlation, but I'll get more into that maybe later today or maybe tomorrow or something like that. Another main character is this Canadian father um, where these Canadian physicians, and we never got the person's name because we had to hide his identity, but Canadian physicians can legally administer, you know, so-called gender transition drugs to children without parental consent. Again, Canadians, what are you still doing there? You can't stop these things anymore. The government's too far gone. What are you doing there still? But this father spoke out about this nonsense that was happening to his child that was being transitioned by these, you know, Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein's up there in Canada. And he was arrested for that, fined $30,000 for misgendering his 13-year-old daughter. So he's out on bail. He has his trial, I believe, later on this year, but he's another kind of a center point of the film. And then I just need to throw this person out there as well. I think the person's name is, it's a Akami. Okay, so this is clearly a white guy who uh, is clearly a dude that's, you know, transitioned into a woman or pretended to transition into a woman at some point, transgender. But this person said he's Wolf Therian. Okay. Wolf Therian. I'm not even going to try to spell it because I did my best just so I wouldn't say it's stupid in my notes. This person identifies as a wolf. So this is a young man who transgendered himself into being a woman at some point. And then being in the big anime fan that he is decided that he was actually a wolf. Like again, this isn't a main character of the film, but I, I bring this person up because it just shows the logical outworking of this whole identity nonsense that you can identify as whatever. And and I hit people with this. I have some interviews coming out later and some different things like that where I hit people, especially Christians, that are all too polite to use someone's chosen pronouns, right? So this a biological woman that identifies as a male and using male pronouns because they're like, oh, I don't want to be incendiary and I don't want to be needlessly offensive. But there is no logical stopping of this because there are people that are called furries that they identify as animals. So if I come over to your house and you say, Oh, this is, uh, my son. Um, he's a dog. Um, would you mind getting him some food? I'm not going to go get him kibble. I'm going to make him a sandwich and tell him to sit there and stop being an idiot. I'm definitely not going to take him on a walk. There are people that identify as furniture, right? But if you identify as a lazy boy recliner, I'm definitely not going to sit on you and wait for the handle to pop up so my feet can be up in the air. Sorry, not doing it. I'm not going to go into that. And we can't play into that. This is just a little sidebar for conservatives and Christians out there. Do not play into the transgender nonsense. Do not get woke Christians to convince you that you're not being loving by using their actual pronouns that are in concert with their biological sex. Okay? Okay. If they're going to be so offended that they can't talk to you, if you refer to them as he and or, or her or whatever, which assigns to their actual biological gender, that's probably not someone that's worth talking to or just use their name because I don't care what your name is. If you were born Sam and you want me to call you Sally, that's fine. I'll call you Sally. But again, don't play into the nonsense that it's polite or loving to call these people by something that is opposite to the truth. Because then they're making you a sinner by proxy. Okay, don't do it. So let me kind of go in to my overall thoughts on what is a woman because uh, it really was a fantastic film. But I guess some overall thoughts is like, people are really dumb. People are really, really stupid. And many people do not spend any time thinking about this issue specifically. So I was just, uh, I was just talking to a buddy of mine, uh, yesterday about abortion and, you know, he's been doing a lot of thinking about abortion because of Roe v. Wade stuff. And he's a really kind of, uh, cerebral guy and he likes to kind of break things down. Very engineering minded guy. Uh, he's actually my foxhole. So, uh, if you remember me talking about Brandon Beard Rally, so, uh, I I forget what I nickname I gave him, but I was talking to him about that and, you know, I brought up some arguments that he never heard before. And I was like, Brandon, the, the reality is that most people don't spend any time thinking about these topics. Most people have not thought about the abortion topic longer than five minutes. And then when you talk to them and ask them follow-up questions, that's when you really get to bedrock on a lot of these different ideologies. And that's why it's so important to get to bedrock on all these ideologies. But it requires people to actually do some thinking. So the people that are really, really learned in these different subjects, they were still really, really dumb. But the overwhelming majority of this kind of man on the street stuff he did, just going up to talk to people on the street, these are just ignorant, ignorant people. They've done no thinking about this topic, and yet they're willing to hold up a sign at the Women's March, right? So that's kind of an overall thought. Another one is Matt Walsh in The Daily Wire have gotten quite a bit of criticism uh, for this. So Matt Walsh is a Catholic. He's a Christian. But at no point in this film do they use any biblical references at all, okay? And... Again, right from the very, very top of this, I talked about kind of the most basic one, which is Genesis 5-2, male and female, he created them and he blessed them and named them man when they were created, right? And so I think that's very, very important uh, to, to talk about because where is our truth grounded? And that's where our truth is grounded. And so a lot of people, a lot of prominent people have gotten on to Matt Walsh for not making biblical arguments, for not bringing it back to the Bible, not bringing it to, you know, back to male and female, he created them, Right. But to a degree, I understand why DW didn't go that route. Okay? Because culture doesn't care about Christianity, right? And this is where we get into, you know, sovereignty and, you know, God's sovereignty and culture and in some of those different arguments. And I'm gonna kind of leave that to the side for now. But culture doesn't think the Bible's real. Culture doesn't think God's real, right? It's a very secular humanist culture that we live in. So you can more easily dismiss a film like this, and if you're in the squishy middle. You can more easily dismiss a film like this if it's based on scripture. So being an organization that is not a Christian company, but a conservative company, they went with the route that is like, we're going to try to destroy this ideology. We're going to try to rot it from the inside and we're going to do it by using strictly logic based things, right? We're going to use it strictly in this way. So would I've liked, there had been some, some scripture in there. Do I think it would have driven a lot of these points home? Yes, I do. I don't think they needed to avoid this in any way, shape or form, but that is what they decided to do. Okay. So I get it. I'm, I'm sensitive to those arguments of people that said there should have been scripture. There should have been, you know, a Judeo-Christian ethic kind of put onto this and undergirding all of this, but I understand why they didn't go that route. I don't necessarily agree with it fully, but I do understand it. But let's talk a little bit about why, what is a woman is important. We need to talk about that. The first thing is obviously something that I talked about a lot in my show and a lot through this podcast is that truth is incredibly important. And I mean capital T truth. It is incredibly incredibly important. Because we're getting to a place culturally where truth is becoming irrelevant. Especially when someone asks you a silly question which is, "Well, what is your truth on that?" It's like, "Okay, if we're talking about opinions, I always bring up ooh, who's the better basketball player, Michael Jordan or LeBron James. That's an opinion, no one can be right." But it's not an opinion. It's not my truth that Michael Jordan played in the NBA in the 1990s. That's either true or it's not. And when you try to get people pegged down to whether something is capital T true or not, they get really, really uncomfortable. And that's not a great place for our culture. Okay. I think there's a lot of concerns for us in terms of our American Western, you know, greater Western culture. But one of the biggest things is that truth is being denigrated. Truth is being called bigoted. Truth is being called transphobic but truth is incredibly, incredibly important. So I'm so glad that they spent a lot of time focusing in this documentary, you know, when they weren't just trying to entertain us on truth itself. Also, the reason why what is a woman is important is because we are required to protect women. A lot of you guys that listen to the show, you fancy yourselves sheepdogs, or at least, you know, you see yourself as a protector of the women that are in your life. And this is a way that we protect women. So one way to protect women is by keeping men out of their bathrooms. Because sexual assault by a male in a female restroom, the odds of it only go up if you allow biological males in a female restroom. Because duh, because basic common sense, right? So we need to protect our women also. We need to protect our women and girls in terms of their responsibilities, right? in the things that they want to do, but also their ability to compete. So when you have biological males going into their sports and stealing medals from them, stealing scholarship opportunities from them, stealing opportunities from them to create memories of glory where they, you know, were on the podium or something like that or or any of those things that we've talked about on the show before regardless of the sport, that is not helpful to women. Like there are people that are are thinking within the next 5 to 10 years that women's sports will not even exist anymore. There will be men's sports and then trans sports. Because again, if, if more and more young people start to identify as trans and more and more young boys think that they're young girls and start playing girls sports and they're in school districts that allow for that nonsense, where will the women's sports be? There have been people that have actually suggested, and I think this is a stupid suggestion, there should be men's sports, biological men's sports, biological women's sports, and then a trans league. But I think that's dumb. We shouldn't even give them that as an option. You should play the sport that aligns with your biological sex. It's just that simple. But just like we are required to protect women, we are also required to protect children, okay? Again, as I talked about earlier, these trans children, which isn't even a real thing, they're lab rats. So in your politeness, conservative Christian, in your politeness, you might be tut-tutting. People are, you know, kind of clapping along and whistling past the graveyard as they're marching children to the gallows Yeah, of one of these, you know, pharmaceutical companies or one of these pediatricians or one of these surgeons that think, yeah, we can fix you that. No, you're, you're not just a a masculine little girl or a feminine little boy. You are actually the opposite sex. So let's change that for you. Right. We have to stand up against that. Again, we're here to equip men to push back darkness. What is more dark than this revolution that's happening with children? Okay. Because here's the other thing that I just kind of realized as I was watching the film is kids just can't be weird anymore. They have to be LGBTQIA+. Right? Remember, all of us grew up with weird kids. Some of us were the weird kids at different points in our life. But again, you can't just be a weird kid. You can't just be a wallflower. You can't just be a non-athlete. You can't just be a bad student. You have to be LGBTQ+. You have to be queer questioning. The only way that you are able to get acceptance is if you put a rod through your nose, dye your hair color and say, no, I I used to be this. Now I'm this now, right? That is a shocking thing that we've allowed in our culture. And that's not protecting children either. And so I look at when, you know, these future conversations that I plan to have with James and squish, when it comes to stuff like this is how I'm going to teach them to love these kids that are very, very confused that may have evil, confused parents, these parents that just want to carry around a trans kid as if it's an accessory on their, you know, bracelet or something like that. You know, it's Munchausen by proxy for a lot of these kids. You've heard a lot of people say that. It is very, very important that I show my sons how they can love on those people in a way that Christ would love on those people, but also to tell them that what they're doing is sinful and not true. Someone in in this whole scenario, sin is driving this. This is a bastardization of something that God gave us, which was maleness and femaleness. So we have to protect our women and we have to protect our children. Okay. And the other reason I get the last reason here that I'll talk about in terms of why, what is a woman is important is because it is equipping us to push back darkness. It's equipping all of us to push back darkness. Cause again, part of the reason why I talk about the things I talk about on the show, because there's a lot of people in this Christian men's space. All they do is theological talk. All they do is Bible talk and all that. And those are great resources. And I think you guys should take in that material. Absolutely. But then where a lot of those things fall short is you have no idea how to apply that scripture to everyday life in the place where you live. So, You want to get mad and go down and scream about critical race theory, you know, at, you know, that's in your kid's classroom. And yet you have no idea how to fight against that. I talk about it all the time. And again, if you're trying to push back against this transgender nonsense, whether you're in a purple state that's trying to figure out, you know, where should we go on this? Should we keep boys out of girls' bathrooms? Should we keep boys out of girls' sports and all those different things? You have to be equipped to have these arguments. You have to be equipped with the knowledge about where these ideologies come from, these evil pits of hell that these arguments come from and these ideologies come from, or you're not going to be able to push back effectively. Because if you just go in front of the school board and read through Genesis, it's not going to have the intended effect that I think you do. And I'm not saying that scripture isn't sufficient for this situation. What I am saying is that you need to apply the scripture in a way that can affect public policy so that darkness can be pushed back so that you can be equipped with the knowledge in order to push back that darkness. So I'm going to wrap up here with my rating. We are not going to be able to get to the quick hitter. So I'll be able to get that to you hopefully later on. So you guys got a bonus episode. So again, don't ever say I never did anything for you, but if I were IMDB internet movie database, I would give this a nine and a half out of 10. The reason why I'm not giving it full 10, right? 10 out of 10, a couple of things kind of were a little odd to me in the film. So Scott Nugent, you know, Kelly Nugent, you know, who's the hero of the film, a film at one point starts crying and I'm pretty sure they were crocodile tears. I do not think, I think that she was trying to gin up emotion that wasn't really there. And they kind of elevated the music in that part of the documentary. And, and, you know, music is used as a manipulator, whether it's, you know, in a documentary or a worship set or something like that, it's always used to kind of manipulate your emotions. And I didn't really buy the tears. And the thing was, is, Scott didn't need to produce any tears like what she was talking about was astonishing, right? And something that needs to get out to more and more people. So the crocodile tears were just not necessary. So I thought that was a little odd. And also, I didn't feel like there was a big black and white distinction made in the film between sex and gender. Because that's the big thing, these proponents of this ideology, they say sex and gender are different. But I don't think that Matt Walsh and you know the people that made the film really made that distinction super duper well. So that's the only reason why I'm docking at a half a point on my fully made up IMDB scale. But if I was doing this on Rotten Tomatoes, I don't really know if you do, if you give it a fresh or a yes or a thumbs up, but this would get thumbs up. And to all you kids out there, all you Sissel and Ebert kids from the 90s, you're watching films in the 90s. I would give this two thumbs up. So you guys absolutely, absolutely need to make your way over to whatisawoman.com or go to Daily Wire and check that out and then you can make that happen. But guys, I'm going to go ahead and skip the quick hitters just like I told you. We're going to get into uh, that maybe later today or uh, sometime later on in the week. Maybe I'll even do a few bonuses, but we are going to wrap towards the end here. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost out on Life. Our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So I've got a link to whatisawoman.com where you can go to Daily Wire and subscribe to get that And then, well, all these other links are for the quick hitter, so I'll go ahead and skip to the end here. But guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. We do appreciate it. wherever you're listening to this. Please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's i n f o at undaunted.life. You can also follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song, Cutting the Ties, which is off the 10th anniversary re-recording of their album, Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness. Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah.